This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 18th, 2023 edition. We're moving fast through the third trading week of the year, and hope it has been good for all of you. Uh, and this is the time of year where most people reassess their current financial sis- situation and plot maybe a slightly different path or what worked over the last year, three years, five years, and what will work in the future, both uh, from an investment standpoint, which is we talk, what we talk about a lot here on the show, but also personally, career-wise, probably rethinking some things potentially, and then spending. What did you spend too much on? What wasn't worth it last year? What was? Sometimes having money, spending your money is not always just about the total amount that you're spending, but what's the best bang for the buck? How much was wasted? How much was spent with good value and good impact on your life? That's something to think about as well. So... This is the time of year where everyone's rethinking a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the, the, the economy is constantly changing. The market's constantly changing. And you need to have a portfolio and a strategy that is balanced for you, balanced with your risk tolerance level, with your end goals in mind. And that's why we're here. So you've come to the right place to get that perspective. And... Get the information that you need to be paying attention to. Now, that doesn't mean that every stock that someone calls in that I like is right for you, but it may be something you look into and assess for yourself. Get other opinions, do your own research, figure out, does that fit into your your plan? If someone is older, retired, and is focused on income, but someone else calls up and is 25 and likes a particular company that's fast growing small cap, you know, it might not be appropriate for that older person who's focused on income. Now that's an extreme kind of two sides of the scale, but that's the way you need to think about this. You shouldn't be coming here with, oh, I'm gonna find that one good investment idea It's more of the mindset. What am I focusing on and how do I need to incrementally improve my financial situation? That could be a savings habit that we discuss on the show. Could be a spending habit that you need to improve on. Could be 
a simple investment philosophy that we espouse, which is down to earth, focusing on what is happening in the market and the economies today, not based on what you hope and wish the world to be, but how the world is. So I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your cap, you have your capital of the money you have saved and are ready to invest. Help you make good money decisions consistently. So I look forward to this hour answering your finance and investment questions and you can bring them to me anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888.99 chart. I've got a lot of material to unpack for you today. One is our main focus point in regards to the Fed meeting coming up here in just a couple of weeks. It's February 1st. So I believe it's two weeks from today. Yeah, two weeks from today. And we are going to unpack what to expect and what that ultimately is likely to mean for markets. And then we're also, time permitted, going to dig into some other topics. One is in regards to big tech. They have realized they've come come to Jesus moment with the NASDAQ down 33% last year. Many of their other you know, large cap stocks down much more than that. And they've kind of talked about doing less stupid stuff. And it sounds a little crude, but that's basically what they're, uh, what they're talking about. So we're going to look at that story. Also, oil demand, the EIA, the in, sorry, IEA, International Energy Agency, they came out with an updated guidance on oil demand for the globe. And then lastly, does China have a population problem? Is that an issue that is ultimately going to affect their economy? So we're going to look at that story as well. So those are the things that are on my docket, but ultimately it's about what is on your mind. So we're going to look at some voice bank questions. One is on Mueller Industries, MLI, and another is capital gains tax rates. So this is all planned for this episode of Invest Talk as well as your live calls at 888-99 chart. Now we had a, let's look at the market today. We had a down day, decidedly. The S&P was down 62 points, nearly 2% on the day, the worst day in a while. Uh, we had a nice start to the year overall, and you've had a, uh, a retrenchment today. And this was the first major sell-off. Uh, and it was kind of what I've been expecting. You know, I, I didn't get too bullish on the opening rally in the markets for the year. Part of the reason we rallied in the first week or two uh, has to do with liquidity conditions. And oddly enough, the, the debt ceiling. I know it sounds weird. We're coming up against a debt ceiling and you would think, well, that would be bad for markets. Well, actually, no, because what happens is when the Treasury issues debt, what they're actually doing is pulling liquidity out of the system. Now, in a time with QE, they were monetizing it. They were they were the ones buying that debt. So they weren't really they weren't really uh, pulling liquidity out of the system. Let's say that. Um, but. In the era of QT, they kind of are, and that's one of the reasons why you saw the market down for most of you know last year. Now, what's happening now is because the Treasury can't issue much debt, if at all, then they are spending out of their checkbook. It's called the Treasury General Account, and they're going out there spending money on all the things that the government spends money on, 
and that is actually infusing liquidity into the system. And so I know it's counterintuitive, but if you understand the machinations of our system, then you'll know that is one of the reasons why we had a nice rally start the year. Now we had some economic news today that came out and it was definitely weaker than expected. Retail sales was actually down month over month, 1.15%. And that was after a about a 1% drop the month before. Uh, industrial production came out, that was negative 0.7% in December. That's even worse than the November number of point, uh, about negative 0.6%. Uh, so you had a lot of data that showed a weak economy. And I think that's what the market's gonna start focusing on. The inflation story, that's dead, that's long gone. That is a story of 2022. Story of 2023 is not gonna be about inflation. It's gonna be about the economy and how well it's going to hold up in the face of tighter, tighter liquidity conditions and a, uh, a, a, a tighter Fed policy, right? Uh, higher rates. So that's really the, the story today and a big reason for the major sell-off. And I still expect the start of this year to be relatively choppy. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love taking your cli- your live calls as well. And our number never changes and it never closes on a best talk. It's 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7 rain or shine during smooth sailing or on rough weather days the invest talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions you set the agenda don't forget to call invest talk 888-99-CHART you've got finance and investment questions and justin klein and steve peasley are ready with their unbiased answers don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Eric Cohn from Los Angeles. I uh, appreciate your show and all you do. I've been a consistent listener for six or seven years and really enjoyed it. I have a question for you today regarding Experian, one of the major credit bureaus. They use ticker EXPN on the London Exchange. I think EXPGY as an ADR. And I'm interested in picking up some shares here in the low to mid 30s. They've had some consistent revenue and earnings growth over the last several years, and they've weathered kind of previous recessions and the financial crisis fairly well. I'm interested in your thoughts on the company. Thanks. I'll be listening on the podcast. All right. Looking at Experian PLC, this is out of the UK, and they are a very profitable business. Return equity right now is at about 26, which is below historical averages right around 30%. So 
I like the profitability profile overall. The cash from operations right now about 1.8 billion trailing 12 months, which is right near an all-time high. And you're talking about a market cap around 34 billion, very minimal debt on net debt on its balance sheet, which is good. I like the low debt profile. Uh, technicals that have rallied and, and certainly improving, uh, but not an area that I would buy right now. You know, my biggest worry more is uh, credit creation. You know, in a slowing global economy, there's typically less credit creation, and ultimately that means less demand for you know pulling credit scores and things like that. Uh, but this is really more of a play on, do you think that their profitability will continue? Do you think there's going to be, uh, you know, the companies like Upstart, for example, right? Upstart, uh, I believe it's Upstart. Is it Upstart? Yeah, I believe they're the ones that has the, the analytics to inform lenders uh, using different, you know, AI and, and other proprietary um, services. Uh, and so... You know, is, is a company like Upstart going to usurp uh, the major uh, credit agencies? And that's something I would be watching for. Now, Upstart is certainly cratered from $400 per share all the way down to 16 uh, And they're struggling uh, themselves. And, you know, maybe their their hopes and dreams of uh, usurping those uh, major credit agencies is, uh, has been a little overblown. But that's something that you have to have on the radar. Um, but... Uh, for Experian, it's a bit overbought. Uh, it's not necessarily cheap at the moment. I'd say it's fairly valued, but it's a good company. So overall, on a pullback back to you know the, the lows of, of later of late last year, I think that would be a good entry point for Experian. And I like what you're looking at—a company that is consistently profitable with low debt. But you got to keep an eye on things that could eventually disrupt that industry. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, I'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. NX Ken says, I've been looking at Viper Energy, V-N-O-M, for a while, wondering if now would be a good time to start a position. So this is Viper Energy Partners LP. This is at a limited partnership. Remember that. You're getting a K-1. You that 6.3% dividend yield is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. If you hold it within a tax-deferred account, there are tax issues that you need to be aware of. So that's the first caveat there. Now, what do they do? Well, they acquire and develop oil and natural gas properties in the Permian Basin in West Texas. So they are in the fracking business, and their business has been fairly up and down. $5 billion market cap. Currently, and let me look at their debt profile. A lot of these limited partnerships have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. Uh, this one also has a lot of debt on its balance sheet. So I worry a bit about that. And enterprise value is 6.2, which is relatively cheap, but there's cheaper out there. So what I'm going to say is this is not up there in, in, in the top half, probably, of the type of oil exposures I would want. Uh, I want companies with lower debt that are paying dividends that are uh, qualified and not part of a limited partnership and, and handing me a K-1. I don't want that set up. Uh, and probably more diversified as well. I want a little more diversity than just the Western, uh, uh, the Permian Basin. So yeah, I'm gonna pass on Venom. I would look for others within the industry. Now it's a fast moving Wednesday. The market is consistently and constantly changing. So that means you have investment questions for me that you want answered. 
So give me a call now on a best talk at 888 chart One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. We're going to go over to Manhattan Beach, California, and talk to Nick looking at Microsoft. Hi, Justin. Yeah, I, uh, I'm calling about Microsoft with regards to ChatGPT. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard of it. It's um, an yeah. AI, AI chatbot. It's taking the world by storm. It got a million users uh, mm-hmm. just within five days, mm-hmm. which uh, blows away you know, comparisons like you know, Facebook or TikTok adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's clearly very powerful. I personally, um, it's my go-to method of finding information now, just a little a month over. It's been released for about a month and a half now. I go mm-hmm. to it versus Google for whatever I need, and I'm sure there's many people other like me. Uh, Microsoft has the exclusive rights um, to use it for business purposes, as they've invested about a billion dollars to bring it to fruition. Mm-hmm. They are working pedal to the metal now to uh, incorporate it into their uh, you know, Bing search, which you know we all sort of joke about. But if they do that, Successfully, I will be using Bing Search as opposed to Google. And um, even if that you know eats in five, ten percent of Google's search market share, that's a lot of money. And uh, my question is, do you think this causes Microsoft to deserve a higher multiple, and Google maybe a lesser multiple? And do you think it's a good reason to buy Microsoft going forward long term? Thanks. Well, does it? Does it mean Google should have a lower multiple? Probably. You talked about potentially stealing some of its market share and its secret sauce, which is the go-to place to do the searches. So if ChatGPT or an offshoot of it start to take away market share, that's certainly going to be an, impact Google. Uh, now, you know, how much Microsoft will really uh, benefit directly. Uh, I think that depends on that partnership and, 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 and all of that. And also, you know, is it the truth, the technology behind it? Uh, or is it simply the simple application of the technology? Because I, I expect, remember, AI, it's not one company investing in, in, in AI. And frankly, this is probably going to mean a rush of money trying to develop AI even further. But there are already other companies, including Google, that are that have been investing in AI. So, you know, I think of IBM Watson and, you know, do they utilize uh, that AI to develop something similar uh, to chat GTP, GPT. Uh, and that's where I actually see this going. Um, so I think it's less clear as to who will benefit ultimately and how much Microsoft itself will benefit. Uh, and I think it has more to do with what's potential in negative impact this could have on a company like Google. So that's the way I think about it. 
Uh, now, it could be wrong, and I, I certainly need to dig a little bit more into uh, how Microsoft will uh, benefit overall. Um, but uh, I see this more as the start of the next phase of easily exploring the vast internet that has so much data um, and the ouch, this is one outshoot of the push towards AI. Um, so yeah, that's the way I think about it. Is it a slam dunk that Microsoft is going to be the winner? I don't, I don't think it's a slam dunk, but uh, they could be a partial winner uh, along with uh, likely many others uh, and Google ultimately would be, uh, it'd be to their detriment, most of all, probably. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point concerns this question. As inflation slows, how might the market react to a quarter point rate increase? And now that we had this economic data today, you had the, uh, what was it? It was the, it was inflation data. It was the PPI, there we go. Yeah, producer price index came in at 6.25 year over year down from 7.35. The month over month was negative 5.5% after uh, rising 0.17% uh, in November. So it's pretty clear inflation is dead and the, the markets are now pricing in a 95.8% chance of only a 25 basis point increase in on February 1st. But what's even more interesting to me, because that's not really interesting, it's always been for the last month or so, it's been about a 75 plus percent chance that it would be a 25 basis point hike uh, a month ago is 75. Exactly. So it's only risen slightly uh, and more solidified that stance that the market was kind of already expecting anyway. What's most interesting to me, though, is that there's an increasingly in increasing chance that this will be the last rate hike of this cycle because their next Meeting is on March 22nd, which is a ways away, end of this quarter, basically. And a week ago, the odds of a pause was 15%. Now it's up to 25%. So I think that's really the the message here on my, in my mind and why the dollar isn't really rising very much uh, from here. Uh, and you've had some Fed officials come out basically saying, yeah, 25 basis point hikes going forward are what's likely. Um, but... You know, they're like trying to get over 5%. And after 25 basis points on the first, they'll only be at basically four and a half to four and three quarters. And I think we're going to see, especially as data comes in, that this might be the last rate hike. Now we're heading into a break, but I'm, I'm ready for your live questions at 888 chart At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models 
and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. My question is about capital gains tax. Let's say I buy 10 shares of a company at $100 for each share on January 1st, so I've made a $1,000 investment. The company's share price has a nice gain over the calendar year of 50%. So the stock's at $150 uh, at the end of the year, and I've now got $1,500. So a year later, I've got an unrealized gain of $500. Then I buy 10 more shares at $150. So I'm adding $1,500 to my position. So I now have $3,000, and my unrealized gain is still $500. My question is, if I now sell my position a few days later, and I have my $500 profit. Am I taxed as short-term or long-term capital gains? I made my profit from holding the original position for over a year, but I'm now selling the entire position after only holding it in its entirety for a few days. I'm a little confused on this, and I hope that question makes sense. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Pretty easy answer here. There's what is called LIFO or FIFO. Now, if you ever take an accounting class, you'll you'll know that the, what this is about. Uh, but it's last in, first out, or first in, first out. And you can set up the settings within your brokerage account. You just call your broker and you can set that up. Um, and you can change it based on which positions you hold. Uh, but you basically have two lots here. You you bought 10 shares at 100. You bought 10 shares at 150. Those are two different lots or two different dates. Um, now, standard is going to be the last in, first out. So if you, you know, a year later sold 10 more sh 10 shares, you want to cut your position in half, it's going to default typically to the first position. Uh, sorry, FIFO. Uh, first in, first out, uh, the first lot that you purchased. So it's going to sell those 10 shares of the first lot that you purchased at $100. Doesn't have to be. Once again, you can call your broker. You say, I want this to be a, a LIFO transaction, and I want to sell the last lot that I purchased. Okay, and that was at $150 per share. Depends how you want to do it. But your broker, you can you can set that up with your broker how uh, which, uh, which lot you want sold, okay? Um, but good question because a lot of people don't know that. How do I? Which one does it trigger? Well, you're it's under your control. It's not like it just magically happens. There is a 
every broker does have a default and it typically is FIFO. Like I said, first in, first out. Uh, but you can change that. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on how tech companies are starting to realize they were doing a lot of stupid stuff. And they were betting on moonshots, you know, they're moonshots, right? Trying to just shoot for the moon. And tech companies are starting to take a more down to earth approach after they saw many of their stocks, including their own fall dramatically. It's worst year The NASDAQ had its worst year uh, since 2008. And over a thousand tech companies laid off employees last year. There were about 150,000 lost jobs within the sector. And so far this year already, there's 23,000 layoffs. Now, many of those workers were hired under assumptions of booming pandemic demand. Uh, and last year was a return to normal and a reversion to the mean. And that means a lot of those workers that were hired over the past couple of years are just not needed anymore. For example, meta platforms, their online advertising slumped and their moonshot towards the metaverse fell on deaf ears with Wall Street. Amazon's coping with a slowdown in demand for physical products, and they're actually scaling back their spending on unprofitable businesses like Alexa electronic products. And in fact, they're in some of them are giving a bit of a mea culpa. Meta, for example, did a blog post last month and said it's devouting 80% of its total investment dollars to improving its legacy business. Basically saying, yeah, we're still going to do things in the metaverse and invest there. But they were changing their investment strategy. And they want their projects to demonstrate value sooner than justifying uh, to, to justify their high cash burn. So the message that Wall Street sent in a lot of ways was heard loud and clear, at least by Meta and many other companies. Google, for example, or, or Alphabet, they laid off more than 200 employees at its Verily Life Science Unit, another 40 at its robotic software company, Intrinsic. And this is part of their other bets segment, which had a nearly $6 billion operating loss in the last four quarters and only generated a billion dollars in revenue. That's not a good ROI. And even smaller companies like Redfin, they've stopped doing stupid stuff <laughs> and uh, and, and that's their words. That's the CEO's word, Glenn Kelman. Uh, he basically said that, that companies within the tech industry are stopping doing stupid stuff. Now, they laid off 13% of their staff, shut down their home flipping, automated home flipping business. Zilla did something very similar, refocusing on their core business. And so that's what's happening within the space now is it's less about disruption and more about greasing the wheels of what got them there. And ultimately, this is called better allocation of capital. You know, when capital suddenly costs something, you get a little more choosy when it comes to what you're going to put that money towards. And when you, you know, when the stock price goes up consistently, it's easy to say, oh, what we're doing is great. Wall Street loves it. Even though maybe long-term, it's a bad decision. 
But when the price of their shares slumps so dramatically, it's a clear message that, hey, you're going the wrong direction. You need to right the ship, get back on track. And that's what you're seeing within the tech industry right now. Now let's swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from a listener in Germany. Hello, Stephen Justin. This is Paolo from Germany calling. I'm looking at the stock uh, Mueller Industries. I've been onto them since uh, many, many months. And uh, I don't find the perfect entry point. And I actually don't like to buy stocks when they are like close to their 52-week top. So I, I'd like to have some margin of safety. When is there like a good time to buy this stock? Like, or what would be a good entry point right now? Okay, thank you. Bye bye. All right, this is Mueller Industries. They make copper tubing fitting, brass copper alloy rods for the HVAC, refrigeration, and plumbing markets. And this company in 2022 was going gangbusters. Same with 2021. Uh, 2019, they only made $1.79. 2021, they made $8.25. Last year, once they report fourth quarter earnings, expected to be $11.25. But this year, earnings down 44% to $6.25. So you're starting to see that reversion to the mean, and that's why I wouldn't touch this yet. I have looked at this, and that was my trepidation. There's a lot of companies like this that pre-pandemic, they had a good business, but nothing amazing, and then suddenly some dynamics with shutdowns and and uh, lack of supply or whatever the dynamics that, 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 that COVID created helped their, their businesses. And now with the reopening, just like in the tech industry, just like in a lot of industries, there's a reversion to the mean happening. And where is that ultimately going to settle out at? And and I, I our view is most of these are going to return to pre-pandemic level of, of earnings, uh, unless there's something permanent that has changed within the industry. And, and most of them have not. Most of it was a more more of a short-term, anol- a, a, a short-term anomaly. And so... It's going to be $11 last year, $6 this year. What does that mean next year? Are we going to head back down to roughly $2 in earnings? If we do, this is drastically overvalued. And the technicals, you know, we're, we're, we're making weaker highs here. Uh, and this recent move, it's made a lower high. And so I'm not liking any of the technicals here. It's something that we're watching to see where this levels out at, but nothing I would touch right now. So I can't give you a level because I don't know where these earnings are going to moderate towards. Is it going to sit around six for a while? And if it hangs around six dollars per earnings for multiple years, and that's the new normal for this company, then it's on the cheaper side. If it's going to head back towards two, it's drastically expensive. So uh, I'm still in a wait and see mode on this one. uh, And I would do the same. Well, there's no denying that we are in a new year and in a new environment in regards to markets. Just like that stock, there's a lot of mean reversion going on, a lot of confusion. What is the new normal? And that varies depending on sectors, depending on style factors, depending on the country you're investing in, etc. And this is a new, a new era. And maybe you're embarking on a new strategy. Maybe a new chapter in your life. Are you approaching retirement day? Guess what? It's going to hopefully come at some point. 
But the question is, are you prepared? Are you on the right path? Well, if you need help understanding your strategy and updating it based on your circumstances, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. And we practice unbiased guidance, both on and off air and parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So you can head over to investtalk.com and send a message to me and set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just head over there to investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. The sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now let's go to Jacob in the Bay Area looking at Baxter. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at Baxter. Uh, I've been following him for a while. The chart looks terrible. It looks like it just continues to fall. But I, I work with a lot of their products. It seems like you know they make pretty good stuff. I was just calling to see what you guys thought of the company uh, and at what point you think it would be uh, where you think a good entry point would be. Well, long term, I think the entry point is is here. You know, it's 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 cheap. It's definitely cheap. Uh, but the question is, you know, when is that going to ultimately turn around? Now, you had this acceleration of the downside over the past uh, couple weeks, and you know, uh, a lot of times that means capitulation. Um, so that could potentially uh, be a catalyst there. Um, but I would wait for a, 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 an actual turn um, here. Technically, if you're looking for things to improve, uh, you know, for the right timing, um, then I would go with uh, some sort of uh, major reversal. Um, but keep on your watch list because it is pretty cheap at these levels. Thanks for the call. All right. Now, here's another iTunes review question. Randall1951 says, I listen to other investing podcasts, but I, will ask my, but I always ask myself, quote, what would Steve and Justin say, question mark, end quote. So thank you for continuing the continuing education. What sectors do you see providing the greatest value opportunity over the next five to 10 years? And I'm not opposed to growth opportunities, but I don't feel now is the day for growth stocks. You're correct. And I think this is a fairly easy answer for me. It is industrials. And while the potential upside in the energy space is probably greater, I think the more clear cut risk versus reward is industrials. Simply because we are reshoring manufacturing and building, rebuilding supply chains here in North America. And that's going to take a lot of engineers and products that are going to build out that infrastructure, uh, industrial products mainly. So if I'm picking one sector over the next five to 10 years, it's industrials all day. Thanks for the call. Now let's head over to another replay question now. Hey, this is James from Georgia. Uh, I was trying to reach Justin or Steve. I had a question about Rent-A-Center, R-C-I-I is the ticker symbol. It's a recommended stock from tip ranks. And um, I was curious what your analysis is of the stock. Greatly appreciate your show. And I hope you'll have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Rent a center. I'm just trying to. Here it is. R C I I. All right. Let's pull this up here. This is a rent to own 
for appliances, computers, smartphones, furniture, etc. Business did really well during the pandemic and has retrenched considerably. Another one of those reversion to the mean type of businesses earned $2.24 pre-pandemic, earned $5.57 in 2021. Last year expected to make $3.58, down 36%, and down another 9% in earnings expectations this year to $3.25. But analysts broadly are downgrading those earnings overall. Um, so I, or earnings expectations overall. So uh, I don't like that. Let me look at its long-term profitability. It is, does tend to be pretty high, uh, but I don't like the earnings trends here. And that's my biggest issue is that that continues to uh, go down. And the payout ratio right now is 161%. So a bit high for my liking and it's dividend ink has been increasing but it's starting to slow down here uh the technicals let me look at the technicals real quick yeah it's still in a downtrend i see nothing on the technicals that are getting me excited so i'm passing on rent a center thanks for the call this is invest talk i'm justin klein and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break so get your questions in now at 888-99 chart you're building your financial future but you must have finance and investment questions justin klein and steve peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers so don't forget to call invest talk 888-99-CHART. We're going to go to Valencia, California and talk to Richard looking at 3M. Yeah, hi, Justin. Uh, thanks again to you and Steve for always putting on uh, great shows. Appreciate it. Uh, about, uh, oh, maybe four or five months ago, actually, I called uh, and spoke to Steve about uh, 3M. And at the time... Uh, the stock was at about 128, and it had dropped considerably from its high. But at that time, uh, Steve had said, still at no question, you know, at that time, at 128, 3M was on sale. It, it, it's on sale at 128. Well, it's it has dropped a bit. Today, I think it's at about 122 and a half. And I know they, they've gone through, there's some lawsuit actions that I think are pending that I've mm-hmm. heard, but what would you say? And I know how the environment changes, you know the the investment landscape. But how would you say? Uh, what would you think of 3M at this price, in terms of a buy and hold? You know, where you put it in a drawer and just let it go, and it does have a dividend. Yeah. Well, there's there's different ways to think about that. Yeah. Is it is it on the cheaper side uh, of history? Yeah. You know, it's enterprise value to EBITDA right now is at about eight and a half. Uh, it's longer term average is close to 13. And it bottomed, uh, but it bottomed in 09 at around five and a half. So it can be cheaper and can get cheaper. And the technicals, frankly, are saying it will get cheaper. So near term, I see more downside. Uh, and you add on top of that, like you said, that litigation in regards to uh, ear, its earplugs and the fact that it's still going to be liable for you know some issues there, that is something that's going to that is an overhang on the stock, uh, and 
uh, along with a slowing economy, which it's an industrial company. It's well diversified, but its products are in less demand when the economy is, is slowing. Um, and so, you know, you, you have earnings expected to decline this year and, 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 and uh, next year. And so that's the issue. Now, not dramatic decline, but modest. Um, and so, you know, near term, I think it's going to go down. Longer term, I think it's it is on the cheaper side. So it just depends on what you're what you're talking about. Um, if you want to set it and forget it, fine. Um, but know that you could probably get in maybe a hundred dollars per share, and that's at one twenty two. Uh, I, I see no reason why it can't get to those levels, you know, later this year or next year. Um, so it depends on your time horizon, Richard. Does that make sense? We get into a, a recession. We can do a recession. Yeah, it's, it, like I said, it's it, it's business is going to continue to slow. You just see that right now. Revenue out. This is outside of the litigation issue. R- revenue down four percent last quarter. Quarter before that, revenue was down three percent year over year. So I think you're still going to see a tough operating environment near term for a company like 3M. Uh, but it is a very good business. It is on the cheaper side uh, of history, um, but near term, likely more downside. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch on oil demand. And this is from the International Energy Agency, and they are lifting their expected demand for 2023 by about 200,000 barrels to 1.9 million more barrels in demand this year versus last year. And that's gonna bring total oil demand for this year to average about 101.7 million barrels a day. And that's above pre-COVID levels and a record total amount. And so part of this, or the vast majority of this upgrade has to do with China reopening. They're expecting about 15.9 million barrels in total this year uh, to be uh, needed for China in addition uh, to their demand from last year because of this reopening. And another part of this is Europe is economy is doing better than had been expected. So that's part of it as well. You're also seeing a higher demand for jet fuel and kerosene, similar to the growth that you saw last year because of uh, aviation fuels uh, demand going up. And the, the, the biggest risk to their outlook is that the China reopening will maybe a little bit bumpy and even you know if you see surges in covid uh which you are right now you know is that going to dampen demand near term probably but overall they're trying to reopen their economy and ultimately that means higher demand for oil and with the supply still remaining supply growth still remaining subpar that likely means higher oil prices this year i'm justin klein this completes another invest talk program steve peasley and i thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which you can find anytime at itunes spotify or google play and we just crossed over the 49 million download mark last night thanks to you independent thinking shared success this invest talk good night invest talk is a trademark of kpp financial because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. 
Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.